According to the left, Elon Musk only wants free speech on Twitter so he can help racists. The economy slows as the White House announces the possibility of relieving student loan debt and also raising taxes. And we examine the mystery of Joe Biden's missing millions. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Privacy is a right, not a privilege. Defend your rights at expressvpn.com slash Ben. So we are in really, really rough economic waters right now. Inflation is charting at 40-year highs. That paper money in your wallet, it is losing value like the Russian ruble is losing value. This would be an excellent time for you to diversify at least a little bit out of your stocks, which are really failing right now, and into a tax-sheltered account with Birch Gold. I've been telling you for over five years, you can buy gold from Birch Gold. It's a hedge against inflation and market uncertainty. An ounce of gold today is worth 1,900 bucks. It was worth 300 bucks an ounce in 2000. And there's another way to hedge against inflation, buy silver from Birch Gold. Silver is also considered real money. Historically speaking, it's really undervalued right now. It's an industrial metal high in demand for everything from electric cars to solar panels. And demand is only going to rise. Some analysts suggest there's an unusual dislocation in price that might present some real opportunities for silver to rally over the next couple of years. And again, Silver like gold, never going to zero. So call Birch Gold. They're the company I trust with precious metals investing. Don't wait. Start diversifying. Text Ben to 989898. Get a free information kit on buying gold or silver in a tax-sheltered account. No obligation to get this information. Text Ben to 989898. Get your free information kit right now. Oh, the wailing. Oh, the moaning. Oh, the gnashing of the teeth. Elon Musk taking over Twitter has people very, very hot and bothered over on the left, including many of the people who work inside Twitter. So the media, of course, very upset because their favorite playground, the place where they trade all of their insults for the right in an echo chamber protected by the algorithms of Twitter, those are going to go away. Those algorithms are going to change. People might be allowed to criticize them. People might tweet things they don't like, and those tweets might actually get attention. I will note that over the past 48 hours since the announcement that Elon Musk was taking over Twitter, I've personally picked up something like 200,000 followers on Twitter, and my tweets are probably getting 10 times the exposure that they were getting before. I would think that that has something to do, not with Elon Musk actually changing the algorithm, but with the sort of document shredding that is going on inside Twitter right now. The fear is that Elon Musk is going to come in. There'll be some sort of truth and reconciliation commission where we finally learn who was shadow banned and whose traffic was being throttled and all the rest. And so now, all of a sudden, some of the limits are coming off. I would imagine that's one of the things that's happening. Twitter is lying about this, I think. They're saying that this is all organic. So the, the loss of followers for Taylor Swift and the consummate pickup of followers for people like me, that that's all organic, that, that right-wingers are joining the platform by the hundreds of thousands and, and left-wingers are leaving the platform by the hundreds of thousands. I have serious doubts about that. I have more confidence that it's algorithmic in nature. But, but here is the bottom line. For a lot of folks on the left, this is a tragedy. And the fact they are treating it as a tragedy demonstrates what they always thought of Twitter secretly. They kept saying, it's all in your head. It's all in your head. It's all, you say that Twitter is biased against conservatives. That's because you're crazy. It's because you're projecting. It's because you're paranoid. And then the minute Elon Musk comes in and he says, you know what? We're going to just let people see what they want to see. The left goes absolutely ape bleep. And of course, this means that they pull out their favorite, their favorite rubrics. They talk about how this is going to lead to increased violence. If people are allowed to see things, this might lead to increased violence. We get accusations of evil racism from Elon Musk. And um, and it's led by some of the people who are working for Twitter. I mean, as I said yesterday, when Elon Musk comes in, he needs to clean house. And people are like, oh, you're saying he should fire people over politics. I'm saying he should fire people who are not in consonance with his vision because this is what every CEO does at every company. Some of the internal audio from the chief operating officers at Twitter before 
Musk's takeover should be disturbing to Musk when he comes in. So that includes Leslie Berland, the CMO over at Twitter. This is audio that was revealed by Project Veritas yesterday, a leaked audio of internal meeting April 25th, 2022. Here's Leslie Berlin, the CMO of Twitter. John made it clear in public that a large part of the reason he bought the platform was because of our moderation policies and disagreements in how we deal with health. This puts Twitter service and trust and safety, as well as anybody who cares about health on the platform, in a very difficult position. I believe... Twitter grows as a service, allows the CEO. people to use the product and have a better experience because we're able to make the conversation on Twitter be safe because we have built tools, processes for people to be able to feel safe and control their experiences. Okay, control their experiences is the whole point. No, you can't. You can't. I mean, you can mute accounts. I mute accounts all the time. I never block anybody. Everybody's free to see whatever I tweet, but I don't have to hear from them because frankly, I don't care what many of them say. The folks over at Twitter, when they say that you can control your user experience, no, you really can't. You really can't. They decide what gets exposure and what does not. They decide what trends and what does not and how it will trend. And when you hear the CEO talking about safety and when you hear the CMO, the chief marketing officer over at Twitter, talking about health and how troubling it's going to be that someone's going to come in and challenge the health of Twitter, they're, say they're, they're saying that their way of policing speech makes for a healthy conversation. And if anybody else wants less policing of speech, there'll be a lack of health in the conversation. Who decides what makes for a healthy conversation? You, the Twitter employees who donated at a 98.7% clip to Democrats in the last election cycle. Might that have something to do with the internal political bias? Meanwhile, the top lawyer for Twitter was apparently openly weeping during meetings yesterday. According to Politico, Monday was an emotional day at Twitter, even for its executives. Shortly after billionaire Elon Musk bought the powerful social media platform, top Twitter lawyer, Vijaya Gaddy called a virtual meeting with the policy and legal teams she oversees to discuss what the new ownership could mean for them. Gaddy cried during the meeting as she expressed concerns about how the company could change. So, I mean, first of all, great sign that you're running your company well, that you're crying during meetings. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but if you cry during business meetings, I don't think that you should be in a position of power. I don't know why this is controversial. This is not sexist. Men shouldn't cry during meetings. Women shouldn't cry during meetings. They're meetings. I run a company. Never have cried during a meeting. Neither have my co-CEOs, neither of any of our top executives. Crying during meetings is not a thing. But in, in the emotional world of corporate America, now crying is a thing. Okay, Gaddy cried during the meeting as she expressed concerns over how the company could change, according to three people familiar with the meeting. She acknowledged that there are significant uncertainties about what the company will look like under Musk's leadership. Twitter spokesperson Trenton Kennedy said Gaddy became emotional when discussing her team's impact and the pride she feels in them. Yeah, I, I have doubts about this. Sources confirmed she spoke at length about how she's proud of the work her team has done and offered employees encouragement, urging them to keep striving to do good work at the company. Gaddy, who has worked at Twitter since 2011, is the key executive charged with overseeing Twitter's trust and safety, legal and public policy functions. She is seen internally as Twitter's moral authority. Wow, so she is the great arbiter of truth, safety, and morality over at Twitter. So excellent job so far, lady. And the executive tasked with handling sensitive issues like harassment and dangerous speech. Dangerous. Gaddy played a leading role in negotiating the deal between Twitter and Musk, according to one person familiar with the dynamics. She has shepherded Twitter through some of its most contentious political battles, including the decision to remove all political advertising and boot Donald Trump from the platform in the wake of the January 6th attack on Capitol Hill. But as news of Musk's official takeover broke, 
Policy and legal employees fretted at the meeting about what his leadership could mean for Twitter's carefully crafted online speech rules. I love that now we're going to pretend that Twitter's carefully crafted online speech rules have been such a wild success. Twitter has been just an excellent example of healthy and decent conversation. Now, everyone knows that's a joke. If you use Twitter, Twitter is just a place to dunk and be dunked upon. It is probably the worst cesspool for political speech in American political life. So this idea that their algorithmic magic has somehow cleansed the conversation and improved the quality if you spend five minutes on Twitter, you know that ain't true. One Twitter employee said, I think everyone at Twitter, regardless of how they feel about the news, is feeling reflective and emotional. We've gone through a lot in the past two years. I think it's generally instigated a lot of reflection. I think this was more of an acknowledgement of the uncertainty everyone is feeling right now. <sighs> I'm sorry, it's so boring. And your feelings are so boring. I don't care about your stupid feelings. You get paid to do this. And now a person is coming in who says that he wants to allow people to speak more freely on your platform without you putting your thumb on the scale. And you're getting emotional. Wow. Oh, oh. Well, get the world's smallest violin for this gang. Gaddy herself has advocated strongly for ensuring that Twitter's policies protect its most vulnerable users while protecting free expression, a position at odds with Musk's. This is because the phrase protecting its most vulnerable users, there's a lot of assumptions packed in that little phrase, protect its most vulnerable users. What they mean by this? is that if you fulfill an intersectional quotient, if you are a member of the black community, if you are a member of the Hispanic community, if you're a member of the LGBTQIA2S minus divided by a sign, carrot, dollar sign, hashtag, pound sign, tilde community, then this means no one can be allowed to say things that offend you. And people yesterday on Twitter were experimenting with this. They were saying things like controversial things like Leah Thomas is a man to see if this got them banned. And shockingly, it did not. Oh, woe betide Twitter. Oh, the sackcloth and ashes. Oh, donning the, the torn raiment of mourning and standing in the city gates crying to the sky. Why, Gaia, would you allow such a thing? This is the attitude that the left has decided to take about Elon Musk saying that um, it's okay if you say Leah Thomas is a man because uh, Leah Thomas is, a, um, in fact, a dude. Gaddy wrote in a 2015 Washington Post op-ed, quote, I'm often inspired by the vigorous debates on controversial issues that occur on Twitter, but I've also been seriously troubled by the plight of some of our users who are completely overwhelmed by those who are trying to silence healthy discourse in the name of free expression. Man, is that Norwellian phrase. Silence healthy discourse in the name of free expression. You are trying to silence discourse by quashing free expression. You're just using the word healthy to smuggle in the limits that you want on free expression. She said, at times, this takes the form of hateful speech and tweets directed at women or minority groups. Because as it turns out, you know, men never receive hateful speech at all, ever. I know that on Twitter, I am treated with the greatest of kid gloves. No one ever says mean things about me on Twitter. I spend every night weeping in my room because of, because of the things people, or alternatively, I don't give any craps about it at all. At others, it takes the form of threats aimed to intimidate those who take a stand on issues. Oh, you mean like the threat to ban people for saying that men are not women and women are not men? Gaddy holds one of the most controversial positions at Twitter, says Politico. Her team has decided how to moderate content. That has made her a target of right-wing criticism. No matter what we do, we've been accused of bias, she told Bloomberg News, leaving content up, taking content down. That's become pretty much background noise. Um, so perhaps you should actually, you know, make your algorithm public. But she would never do that because then we might actually find out what they've been banning. During her team meeting, Gaddy fielded concerns. Several employees left the debrief with a nude sense of loyalty to her. Wow, loyalty. Okay, if this lady's record is any indicator, Elon Musk should put her on the bread lines immediately. Senior public policy associate Kennedy O'Brien said, if you look up the word inspiring in the dictionary, you find a picture of this woman. Grateful as ever for your leadership, 
Vijaya couldn't feel luckier, tweeted Camino Rojo, Twitter Spain's head of public policy, government, and philanthropy. So when I said yesterday that uh, Musk should fire a lot of people, he should fire a lot of people. Say of Twitter employees weeping, but this Mother's Day, you don't want the one you love weeping. You want her weeping tears of joy, of happiness. How can you make this happen? With pearl jewelry from the Pearl Source. At the Pearl Source, you get the highest quality pearl jewelry at up to 70% off retail prices. Why? Because the Pearl Source cuts out the middleman by eliminating those crazy jewelry store markups and selling directly to you, the consumer. At the Pearl Source, you'll find the largest selection of pearls available anywhere. Every jewelry piece is custom made specifically for you. If you need it quickly for Mother's Day, no problemo. The Pearl Source offers fast and free two-day shipping on every order with zero contact delivery. And if you're not sure if she's going to love the gift, you don't have to worry. The Pearl Source comes with a no-hassle 60-day money-back guarantee with free return shipping. It is risk-free. Get the beautiful pearl jewelry that mom deserves this Mother's Day. Let me just tell you, I got pearl jewelry for my mom, for my wife, for my daughters. I got it from the Pearl Source. It is beautiful, wonderful stuff. And I know the family that runs the company. Amazing, awesome American family. You should check out the company right now. Tell her you love her, appreciate her with beautiful pearl jewelry from the Pearl Source. And for a limited time, listeners to this show can take 20% off their entire order. All you have to do is go to thepearlsource.com slash Ben. Enter promo code Ben at checkout for 20% off your entire order. If you want fine pearl jewelry at the best prices online, go straight to the source. The Pearl Source. Again, that's thepearlsource.com backslash Ben. Enter promo code Ben at checkout. Naturally, you have the Democrat media complex swinging into action to try to somehow stop Elon Musk from doing what he wants to do here. So you have Chuck Schumer, one of the worst liars in American political life, coming out there saying, Twitter's a dark place. I hope it doesn't get worse. I hope Elon Musk doesn't make Twitter a worse place. It wouldn't be healthy then. We need somebody moderating these things, says Chuck Schumer. On Elon Musk, I would say, look, in many ways, Twitter has been a dark, dark place. I hope it doesn't get any darker. Oh, wow. I mean, you know, if, if there's one person who is deeply involved in making the discourse better. It's Chuck Schumer, the senator from New York. Meanwhile, Brian Stelter, who um, his entire career has been getting no ratings on CNN, so far as I'm aware. So Brian Stelter, whose massive draw, I mean, just his intellectual draw, his physical magnetism, it's that animal magnetism of, of Brian Stelter, Drew a grand total of zero people to CNN Plus, which just had to shut its doors. By the way, you know, it's super funny. So CNN Plus, actually, in one of their recent articles about the shutdown of, of CNN Plus, they suggested that in order to support CNN Plus, eventually, they'd be aiming at getting 29 million people to subscribe to CNN Plus. <laughs> yeah, man. You want to have a show on your air that gets over 500,000 viewers a night, but you're going to draw 29 million people to subscribe. <laughs> anyway, Brian Stelter, the chief media correspondent for CNN, he says that um, he's lecturing Elon Musk about how he doesn't understand the complexities of free speech. Says Brian Stelter on CNN. Mm -hmm. Based on his public statements, it's clear he has a very little understanding of the complexities that go into content moderation and, and hate speech policies and the like. So he's about to learn how it works and it might be a whole lot more complicated than he realizes. Well, I mean, first of all, I have a feeling that some people will be working for Elon Musk. He's not going to be personally like shadow banning people. Um, but also... Definitely Elon Musk, who is the richest person on planet Earth, needs to take advice from Spud over here. That's, that's, definitely, that's definitely a thing that he needs to do. Meanwhile, Joy Reid over on MSNBC doing what she does best with Jason Johnson and just calling people racist because this is, in the end, the final, the final preserve of the left is everyone I don't like is a racist. Everything I don't like is racist. 
So here is Joy Reid doing that routine. It turns out the reason Elon Musk is upset about the shutdowns of free speech on Twitter and the shadow banning and the bottlenecking and throttling of traffic, uh, what, what that's really about is that Elon Musk is secretly a... There we go. There was a time when people had the double hashtags around their names because they were Jewish and right-wingers were saying, get in the oven anytime you made any benign comment on Twitter. They attacked women. You know, the misogyny was crazy on Twitter for a while. Elon Musk, I guess he, you know, he misses the old South Africa in the 80s. He wants, he wants that back. Oh, that's what it is. Nailed it. Nailed it. He wants that back. That's, that's what, that's what he wants. Okay, so as the person who is targeted the most anywhere on earth in 2015, 2016, with the triple parentheses, it wasn't double, it was triple parentheses and the get in the ovens kind of stuff. Let me just say that the content moderation on Twitter has not made life markedly better. Okay, they've just suppressed major breaking political stories. By the way, yesterday, Elon Musk said publicly that he thinks it is bad to shut down major political stories a month before an election. And people on the left were like, now that he said that, he probably voided his deal. No, he didn't, you morons. And uh, good luck with that argument. You're right. Probably the Twitter board is going to turn down 44 billion with a B, a billion dollars for a company that is yet to break a profit because Elon Musk said something that every single human knows. Meanwhile, Sonny Hostin, another one of the geniuses over at The View where the collective IQ does not add up to triple digits. Here is Sonny Hostin explaining that, uh, you know, what this is really about is for freedom for straight white males. Twitter is not the real world. And in fact, on Twitter, it is predominantly straight white men. So when Elon Musk says, wow, this is about free speech, it seems to me that it's about free speech of straight white men. And so let them have it. Let them just go at it. I enjoy the block button on Twitter. Okay, well, I mean, by the way, that last part, she's free to use her block button. But the fact that she's so upset, because straight white men don't deserve free speech in the view of the left. This is, I mean, she's giving away the game right here is that Elon Musk wants speech, but only for straight white men. No, no, he wants free speech for everyone. You are just making clear that you know that Twitter was not a place for free speech for straight white men. It was for everyone who held your point of view and mirrored left-wing perspectives. Really is incredible stuff. Elon Musk correctly tweeted, quote, the extreme antibody reaction from those who fear free speech says it all. Correct. This is absolutely right. This of course is absolutely right. He says, by free speech, I simply mean that which matches the law. And again, censorship that goes far beyond the law. If people want less free speech, they will ask government to pass laws to that effect. Therefore, going beyond the law is contrary to the will of the people. That seems fairly inarguable, right? He is saying that he is not the the great all-knower of the public opinion on free speech. And therefore, he is going to reflect what governments in various areas say about free speech, which again, seems like a much better and clearer standard than some lawyer for Twitter deciding what is a healthy conversation. You know, you're not, you must have your vegetables. Have that healthy conversation. Again, Twitter is a place for unhealthy conversation if you've ever spent more than five seconds on the, on the actual service. But again, the left's wailing is, is beyond the pale. You have Anand Jared Hardis, who I don't know why this person is considered in, in any way a person worth hearing from, but he writes for the New York Times on CNN all the time. There's a piece today called Elon Musk is a problem masquerading as a solution in the New York Times. It's a perfect marriage for an age of plutocracy. Twitter with its serious problems and Elon Musk, the embodiment of those problems. What happens when the incarnation of a problem buys the right to decide what the problem is and how to fix it? Well, he didn't buy the right to decide. He, well, I mean, he bought a company. I was, by the way, I was told by people like an Andre Hardis that if you had problems with Twitter's censorship, build your own. And then, of course, 
Parallel was deplatformed by Amazon Web Services in the aftermath of January 6th because people tried to build their own. So um, build your own, Anon. You don't like it? Build your own. But, says this columnist, Twitter has a disinformation problem, fake news about COVID vaccines, climate, and more running buck wild across the platform. Mr. Musk has shown himself to be a highly capable peddler of dubious claims, whether putting out financial misleading information or calling the British diver who helped rescue trapped schoolboys in Thailand a pedo guy. Twitter has a racism problem. The agency over at the Department of Fair Employment and Housing is suing Tesla. Twitter has a bullying and harassment problems, and Musk is a bully and a harasser. So it's perfect, absolutely fitting, that this guy, of all guys, could now own Twitter. My God, my God. Okay, I mean, and, and by the way, there's articles like up the wazoo over at the New York Times about how terrible this is. The New York Times, which spends its days just reflecting the positions of the far left and firing anybody who comes into conflict with those positions, here are just a few of the titles of pieces written in the last two days alone. Quote, Musk's Twitter, weed memes, editable tweets, and the return of Trump by Kara Swisher, who's just awful. Greg Bensinger, Twitter under Elon Musk will be a scary place. It won't just be a place where people say things. It'll be scary, frightening, terrible. It'll be the worst. Your fears betray you. We can feel them. Yes, we all know what your agenda is now. And you know what? That agenda is, is not just an agenda inside Twitter up until now. It's an agenda across big tech. So in a second, we'll get to the fact that when it comes to the internal employees of these big tech companies, they really do rule the roost. And that is scary, scary stuff. We'll get into that in just one second. First, you know, I talk about life insurance on this program all the time and how you need it, but you don't just need life insurance. You also need home insurance. And this is where Policy Genius can help you. Policy Genius, they are indispensable. It's your one-stop shop to find and buy the insurance that you need. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro Home and answer a few quick questions. Policy Genius will show you price estimates for policies that fit your search. The Policy Genius team can look for ways to save you more money. If you like what they find, they'll get you switched over for free. Customers who bundled their home and auto policies with Policy Genius saved an average of $1,250 per year over what they were paying. The Policy Genius team works for you without bias or favor to any insurance companies. Even after you're covered, Policy Genius offers claim support and easy reshopping to find savings when it's time to renew. Policy Genius does not add on extra fees. They don't sell your information to third parties. Policy Genius's top-notch service has earned them thousands of five-star reviews across Google and Trustpilot. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro Home. Get your free home and auto insurance quotes. See how much you could save today. Again, that's policygenius.com slash Shapiro Home to get started today. So there's some audio that broke yesterday of uh, employees inside Amazon bewailing and bemoaning the fact that our own Matt Walsh here from The Daily Wire, he wrote a book called Johnny the Walrus. It is a it is a sort of satirical children's book about a young boy who's pretending to be a walrus and mommy goes to yoga class and her friends tell her that perhaps Johnny actually is a walrus. And so they start feeding Johnny raw fish. They go to visit a surgeon who recommends that Johnny's hands be carved into fins, etc. You can see where this is going. Well, this became the top-selling LGBTQ plus IA book in America. And this prompted spasms of apoplexy in the internal workforce over at Amazon, particularly in the trans workforce at Amazon. Tears, upset, rage. So here is some of the internal... Again, these are the people, by the way, who are controlling what you see, what you hear, what kind of literature you're allowed to read. These are the folks who have their thumb on the button. So you tell me whether it's important that people like Elon Musk actually sign in and start having their way with free speech. Because otherwise, you're going to get folks like this. Here we go. It's about a book called Johnny the Walrus. And I want to be very clear, the next two are about books. And I saw someone say, 
oh joy, we're going to talk about one of them because it's been it's been a very traumatic experience traumatic. for transgender Amazonians mm. and our transgender customers. Johnny the Walrus is a bit of a problematic book. Uh, not a bit. It is problematic. It is not a bit of a problem. It's one hell of a problem. It's one hell of a problem. It's a problem. These are the conversations being had inside Amazon. And this person started crying about it. And then he shared feedback from a customer who alleged that the book teaches children to kill transgenders or bully them into committing suicide. Um, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, these are the folks who are controlling what you get to see and what you get to hear. You wonder why the right is excited about Elon Musk taking over? Because all we're asking for is some transparency. All we are asking for is some standard by which we can tell if you are throttling traffic or determining what we can see and what we can hear. It really is incredible stuff. Okay, meanwhile, the Biden administration is in a state of complete collapse. The stock market dropped 800 points yesterday. According to the Wall Street Journal, U.S. stocks fell, extending their April losses as investors digested earnings reports from leading companies and weighed concerns about inflation and the spread of COVID-19 in China. Stocks slid for much of Tuesday, dropping further late in the session. The S&P 500 closed down 2.8% or 120.92 points to 41.7520. A day after tech stocks led major indices higher, the, DG, the DJIA, the Dow Jones, declined 2.4% or 809 points. The Nasdaq Composite lost 4%. All three indices are on track to lose at least 4% this month, with the tech-heavy NASDAQ down more than 12% in April. Shares of Microsoft fell in trading. Google reported slower sales growth in the first quarter, so its shares were down 4% after close. Fears about resurgence of COVID-19 in China, attenuating supply lines, continues to be a serious threat. Now, bottom line is that what we are watching right now is an economy that is on the brink of recession. And that recession is being accelerated by the inflationary tendencies of the economy. According to the Wall Street Journal, home price growth accelerated in February. Demand remained robust because we are still seeing the aftermath of an inflationary cycle. A shortage of supply limited the volume of home sales. Meanwhile, mortgage rates are headed significantly higher. Economists expect home price growth to begin to slow in the coming months because of that mortgage interest rate increasing, reducing buying pur buyers' purchasing power. There are early signs the market is cooling from its frenzied pace. About 13% of sellers dropped their list prices in the four weeks ended April 17th. That's the highest share since the end of November. The Case-Shiller Index, measuring repeat sales data, reports on a two-month delay. Inventory has risen since February. It still remains far below normal levels. So what we have now is the possibility of serious stagflation, right? where we have an inflationary cycle married to really, really slow economic growth. And this is being promoted pretty openly by the Biden administration. Now, Jen Psaki was asked yesterday about inflation and she just walked away from the podium. I will go to the back tomorrow first thing. Thank you so much, everyone. And bye. She gets out of there like the roadrunners have and there's just a cloud of dust behind her because she ain't going to answer any questions about inflation. One of the reasons is because the Democrats have no plan to end inflation other than, get ready for it, raising taxes. So their plan was, we'll blow out the spending and then, because we have to suck money out of the economy again, because we, you know, hit the economy with a fire hose of cash, what if we raise the taxes? Genius, genius. To so have an inflationary cycle to be ended with economic stagnation. Already businesses are pulling back because they see the interest rates are about to increase. And now the Democrats are talking about increasing taxes and regulations. Just genius, genius stuff here from your Democratic econ uh, economic masterminds. Here is Chuck Schumer, who apparently desperately wants to be minority leader. 
If you want to get rid of inflation, the only way to do it is to um, undo a lot of the Trump tax cuts and raise rates. No Republican is ever going to do that. So the only way to get rid of inflation is through reconciliation. Really, go for it. Go for it. Uh, uh, man, you, you want to see a party commit political suicide? I mean, it is political suicide already that they have made parents into an actual interest group by saying that parents shouldn't parent, that schools should teach their kids that boys are girls and girls are boys. I mean, that's, that's suicidal enough. Invoking reconciliation, going nuclear in order to pass a tax increase? Like, good luck with this one, because that's what the American people want. In the middle of worries about the economy, what they desperately want is massive tax increases rammed through along party lines with Kamala Harris as the dividing vote. Genius stuff. And meanwhile, you know what they really want? They want that combined with the Biden administration single-handedly relieving student loans to pay off the people who are the most privileged in our society, college graduates. That's what Joe Biden is now signaling. I mean, this is just incoherent, insane political policy. The reason is because Joe Biden is always responding to the urgent rather than the necessary. And so he's looking at his poll numbers and he's seeing that he's down to like 40% with college graduates. And he's freaking out because that's his base. This party is run by college-educated white single women and minority people and people who are black and they thought Hispanic, but Hispanics are now moving away from the Democratic Party in a pretty heavy way. So it was supposed to be a minority coalition and college-educated white women who are single. That was the coalition. So now they got to pay off those college-educated white women who are single somehow. So simultaneously, you have an inflationary spiral. And they're saying to end inflation, we need to raise taxes on people, killing the economy. And also, we need to infuse money into the economy by paying off your student loans contributing to inflation. It's all over the place. This is kaleidoscopic, drunk economic policy. Here's So Joe Biden announced this yesterday, apparently, while he was speaking with the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Good luck with this. So Joe Biden, according to the Washington Post, gave his strongest indication yet in a private meeting with House Democrats, he's poised to take significant actions to relieve student loans, a move that could include canceling tens of thousands of dollars in debt for some people. Well, aren't we suckers, those of us who actually paid off our student loans? I paid off my student loans. I paid off my wife's student loans. Yeah, we, boy, are we suckers. Borrowers are currently benefiting from a moratorium on paying off their student loans that lasts until August 31, a pandemic-induced pause that began under the Trump administration. The White House has come under considerable pressure from the liberal wing of the Democratic Party to cancel the liabilities outright. Biden and centrist Democrats have expressed skepticism, however, about the wisdom of burdening taxpayers with the debt of students who voluntarily took out loans to attend pricey private universities. Well, yes. To address such concerns, a Biden move could target lower and middle-income borrowers, who, by the way, already have subsidized loans via Pell Grants and stuff. During a lengthy meeting with members of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, Biden signaled multiple times he was prepared to not only extend the current moratorium, but to potentially take executive actions, canceling some of the debt altogether. This is nuts. I mean, it's just nutty economic policy. How nuts is this economic policy, by the way? Nancy Pelosi came out today and said, there's not even a discussion about doing this. When Nancy Pelosi is the one who's the designated driver, because everyone else is so drunk off their ass that they can't get home. So you throw the keys to Nancy, who's 80,000 years old and has never passed a good piece of economic policy. You know this party's in trouble. She suggested on Wednesday, anyone who believes Biden can forgive student debt on his own are misinformed. She said, the president can't do it. That's not even a discussion. Chuck Schumer, for his party, says, all you need is the flick of a pen. Uh-huh. Uh, amazing, amazing stuff. So this, this party is in a state of complete economic disarray. Meanwhile, the White House is freaking out because Joe Manchin is not going along with any of their spending plans. So they have fallen into the trap because Joe Biden is no longer sentient and Ron Klain and Susan Rice are running the show over at the White House. 
they have fallen into the bizarre trap of thinking that the way that they avoid a cataclysmic defeat in November, which they are not going to avoid, the tsunami is on the horizon. It is already moving. You are going to be swamped. This is 100 feet of water coming directly for Joe Biden's White House. And Joe Biden is now convinced, or at least the people around him are convinced because Joe Biden, as I say, is no longer sentient. They're convinced that the only way they avoid this is by somehow spending more money. And so they're angry at Joe Manchin again. Good luck with this. According to the Washington Post, Biden's shrinking ambitions are largely the result of failed negotiations with Senator Joe Manchin. Now White House officials are confronting the real fear they will fail to reach any deal with Manchin, even one that leaves out most of what Biden initially hoped to accomplish. A year after Biden introduced his climate and social spending plans, the White House is running out of time to get Manchin on board, with many lawmakers in Congress viewing July 4th as a crucial deadline for action. In recent weeks, White House officials have tried gauging Manchin's interest in a package that would consist primarily of clean energy initiatives, prescription drug reform, and higher taxes on the rich and corporations. The ideas discussed internally include more than $500 billion of deficit reduction. On Monday, a Manchin spokeswoman reiterated the senator supports measures to boost U.S. energy production, lower prescription drug costs, and raise tax revenue from corporations and the rich. But despite support for those provisions generally, Manchin has not yet made clear to the White House precisely what he would support. He's not going to support anything because what is in it for him? Like, seriously, what's in it for him? He's in a state where Joe Biden is not only underwater, Joe Biden is beneath the earth. Joe Biden is like below the seafloor all the way through the core of the earth and now in the ocean on the other side of the earth. So why exactly would Joe Biden, whose state of West Virginia, Joe Manchin, whose state of West Virginia hates Joe Biden, go along with anything that Joe Biden wants? I mean, Joe Manchin, for his part, continues to, to batter the Biden administration about the ears on the border, for example. So Joe Manchin yesterday, he was like, uh, yeah, by the way, this Title 42 stuff, you need to secure the border, gang. We can make sure that we protect our borders and basically protect our people and citizens of the United States and making sure that people coming are coming for the right reason through a legal procedure. And right now, we don't have an immigration policy that allows that to happen. It needs to change. Um, yeah, well, it's... Um it's not going to change because the Biden administration is fully committed to no border security. Jen Psaki said yesterday that they're not going to continue fire, they're not going to continue Title 42, which is the pandemic-related restriction that allows people to be rejected at the border, because that's not an answer to comprehensive immigration reform. So, in other words, we're not getting anything done. So we're not going to do the thing that will stop a massive wave of illegal immigration right now. Just slow clap for these geniuses. The president has never, uh, never uh, made a secret of the fact that he thinks immigration reform is necessary and that Title 42 was never a replacement for comprehensive immigration reform. Yeah, but you're not doing comprehensive immigration reform. So all you're doing is really opening the border. These people are cruising for a bruising and it's going to be so ugly for them come November. And in just one second, we'll get to more on Joe Biden's corruption because new stories are emerging, you know, now that we're allowed to talk about it. Well, the Biden administration may not know how to handle money well or at all, but you need to be handling your money better when it comes to running your business. One way you can do this, stop spending so much money on your mailroom. This is where stamps.com comes in. Simply use stamps.com to mail and ship, get access to exclusive discounts and great rates on shipping from USPS and UPS. It's an easy way to keep more money in your pocket. Here at Daily Wire, we've been using stamps.com since 2017. We do not waste our time. Stamps.com saves you time, money, and stress. For more than 20 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. Stamps.com gives you access to all the post office and UPS shipping services you need directly from your computer and get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 30% off USPS rates and 86% off UPS. No matter what business you're in, Stamps.com can help you save on shipping. Whether you're an office sending invoices or an Etsy shop sending your products or a warehouse shipping out truckloads of orders, Stamps.com is the mailing and shipping solution for you. 
Sell from multiple stores, no problem. Stamps.com seamlessly works with Shopify, Amazon, Etsy, eBay, and more. All you need is your regular computer and printer. No special supplies or equipment. You'll be up and running in minutes, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send it. Sign up with promo code Shapiro for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just head on over to stamps.com, click on that microphone at the top of the homepage, and enter code Shapiro. All right. We may be a week late, but I can promise you it'll be just as awesome. My third Thursday book club, it is back tomorrow night, the fourth Thursday. I will be discussing The Once and Future King by T.H. White. The book club will stream at 8 p.m. Eastern. We'll talk through my notes. I'll answer all your questions after the stream. Make sure you pick up Moby Dick by Herman Melville. That is next month's book club. If you're not a member yet, head on over to thirdthursdaybookclub.com. Sign up. Join me next month for Moby Dick. Check out the trailer. I want to tell you about my third Thursday book club. This is not your average book club. These are the greatest books in the history of Western literature. We're going to dive into the greatest works of all time. These are the books that helped form the key pillars of Western civilization and helped define America. And we're going to do it live with thousands of you, our Daily Wire members. I'm going to be your personal guide. I've read every one of these books. I'm going to draw out the important lessons and themes from every book. Plus, I'm going to be answering your questions along the way. So we actually do read the book together. Join the book club, you are going to get smarter. You're going to get more knowledgeable because this is an investment in your most valuable asset, your mind. The third Thursday book club, it's going to change the way you think. The book club is just different. It is great. You get my notes. It's a cheat sheet to the important lessons of every book. Sign up right now at thirdthursdaybookclub.com. Get my notes sent straight to your inbox for The Once in Future King by T.H. White. And again, for next month, it is Moby Dick by Herman Melville. So if you didn't catch up on your classics reading back in high school and college and postgrad, Now is the time. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Meanwhile, Joe Biden, again, it's not just that Joe Biden's policies are unpopular. It's that Joe Biden personally is unpopular. And he's unpopular really since Afghanistan. After Afghanistan, it became clear that this was not your, your kindly old grandfather who had your concerns at heart, Uncle Joe. It became clear that he is, in fact, a venal, and malicious elderly man who is not in full control of his faculties, and he has done nothing to disabuse Americans of this. And now, as more information emerges about just how corrupt he is, things are about to get a lot uglier. So according to the UK Daily Mail, Joe Biden agreed to pay Sun Hunter's legal fees for his deal with a Chinese government-controlled company, emails reveal. This revelation ties the president even closer to Hunter Biden's overseas business dealings and makes his previous claims he never discussed them with his son even less plausible. Joe was able to pay the bills after earning millions of dollars through his and his wife's companies after he left office as vice president. Some of the wave of cash came from their book deals and speaking engagements, but the president's financial filings reveal he declared almost $7 million more income on his tax returns than he did on his government transparency reports, an analysis by the Daily Mail of the president's financial record shows. Some of that difference can be accounted for with salaries earned by First Lady Jill Biden and other sums not required on his reports. But it still leaves $5.2 million earned by Joe's company and not listed on his transparency reports. The missing millions, combined with emails on Hunter's abandoned laptop suggesting Joe would have a 10% share in Hunter's blockbuster deal with the Chinese, raise a rather troubling question. Did Joe Biden receive money from the foreign venture? In January 2019, Hunter's assistant Katie Dodge wrote an email to bookkeeper Linda Shapiro, no relation, and Biden aide Richard Ruffner, saying Joe had agreed to pay his hundreds of thousands of dollars of bills. I spoke with Hunter today regarding his bills. It's my understanding that Hunt's dad will cover these bills in the short term as Hunter transitions in his career. The assistant attached a spreadsheet of bills with the email totaling $737,000. 
So that's Joe paying the legal fees for Hunter. But he had no idea, no idea at all what Hunter Biden was doing. They were completely unrelated. They had no clue. One of the last items was 28 grand in legal fees for the restructuring of Hunter's joint venture with the government-controlled Bank of China. The spreadsheet listed the bill as Fager Baker Daniels BHR Restructuring. BHR, Bohai Harvest RST, is a private equity firm, one of Hunter's two major Chinese business ventures. That joint venture was co-owned by the state-controlled Bank of China. Hunter's personal attorney, George Messires, is a partner at Fager Baker. A separate October 2018 invoice from the law firm shows Hunter spent 68 grand on the restructuring beginning September 2016. The same year Joe took on these bills from Hunter, he promised, quote, no one in my family will have an office in the White House, will sit in on any meetings as if they are a cabinet member, will in fact have any business relationship with anyone that relates to a foreign corporation or a foreign country. Yet not only did Hunter hold on to his 10% share of BHR through 2021, confirmed by White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki last February, the emails also indicate Joe knew about it and even agreed to pay Hunter's legal fees for the firm. The bills also include 413 grand in unpaid taxes dating back to 2015. The New York Times reported earlier this month, Hunter had taken out a million dollar loan to pay his delinquent tax bill. Wisconsin Republican Senator Ron Johnson said Joe Biden's unaccounted for millions are another disturbing piece of information that raises questions that deserve answers. Well, yeah, you would think when the president of the United States can't explain where he got all this money from. I mean, remember, He bragged for years he was the poorest member of Congress. He bragged for years, I'm one of the politicians who has not made a fortune, yet he owned houses all over the place. And then immediately upon leaving office, suddenly he's reporting tens of millions of dollars of income. It's a little suspicious, is it not? And meanwhile, Hunter is just going around picking up bags of cash for being a drunk, drug-addicted derelict. Like, that's that's an interesting, an interesting move. Well, in office, Joe had a relatively modest income, says the Daily Mail. He enjoyed a flood of millions of dollars soon after he left office, most of which came from his memoir book deal and eye-watering speaking fees. Between 2017 and 2019, he and First Lady Jill Biden reported $16.5 million in gross income on their federal tax returns released by the Biden campaign. The government in ethics filings for the same period, Joe only reported $9.6 million in income for himself and his wife. So where is that gap emerging from? They're saying that some of the gap was probably because Jill taught community college. <laughs> That's right, a $7 million gap can be attributed to Jill Biden teaching occasionally at Northern Virginia Community College, one of our nation's great institutions of, ed- of higher education. A comparison of the income reported by Joe shows a difference of almost $5.2 million, which remains unaccounted for. Pretty impressive stuff, pretty impressive stuff here. So we also know, by the way, that um, Hunter Biden's business partner, while Joe Biden was vice president, visited the White House something like 19 times and met with Joe Biden in the White House. So um, here is Jen Psaki saying she knows nothing about it. I know nothing, nothing. Does the president still maintain that he never spoke with his son about his business dealings? And given this reporting on Eric Schwerin, does he also say that he has never spoken to his son's business partners about his son's business dealings? Uh, he maintains uh, his same statements that he's made in the past. Uh, I would say I know you're referring to uh, Waves records that were released more than 10 years ago. I really don't have uh, more detail or information on them. I'd note that there was a gap when Waves records were not released, uh, but I don't have more information about visits from more than 10 years ago. Mm, no, no information at all. Interesting. Interesting. Probably we should suppress the story. Probably. By the way, just a note here, Hunter Biden is one of the worst people on earth. I mean, Hunter Biden is just a bag of human garbage. He's terrible. New York Post reporting today, quote, Hunter Biden desperately insisted his brother's widow, Haley Biden, get screened for HIV as their torrid affair cooled off in the summer of 2018. 
Biden 52 implored Halley to be tested for HIV in an email sent to Bo Biden's widow, July 27, 2018, about a month before he fathered an out-of-wedlock child with former stripper London Roberts. You need to inform me of the results, Hunter wrote in an email found on his abandoned laptop. Today, I'm getting tested. Today, I've been scared sick, Haley, and you hang up on me. He says, the love you give is so disturbing. The all caps subject line was, you need to get tested for HIV, Haley. And then he um, went on to ask Haley to stop the BS regarding his niece, accusing his sister-in-law of trying to turn the young teen against him. And uh, he called her behavior sick and disturbing. So he is... Um, what, he, the smartest person that Joe Biden personally knows. I mean, Joe Biden must not know very many people. That's pretty amazing stuff. All righty. Well, we've reached the end of today's show, but we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content. Coming up soon is The Matt Wall Show, airing 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to check it out over at dailywire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about The Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our production manager is Pavel Wydowski. Associate producer, Bradford Carrington. Editing is by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Crand. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on The Matt Wall Show, leaked internal videos show that my children's book, Johnny the Walrus, has traumatized and triggered Amazon's employees. They are literally in tears over it, and it's the greatest moment of my career. We'll talk about it today. Also, conservative accounts on Twitter see huge spikes in followers right as it's announced that Elon Musk is buying the company. What's going on there? And more disturbing information about the children's book, quote-unquote, from the American Academy of Pediatrics that pushes chemical castration on nine-year-olds. Plus, a NASCAR driver is sent to sensitivity training for posting a racist meme, but was the meme actually racist? And our daily cancellation, more leaked videos. This time, it's uh, administrators and leftist activists needing to game plan protests against my speech tonight at Wisconsin Superior. But why are school administrators helping to plan protests? We'll talk about all that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Hey, 